From PRX and Transom, this is How Sound, the backstory to great radio storytelling. Hey, How Sound listeners, Rob here. I'm going to play you two notes. See if you can guess the song. Ready? You got it, right? Well, let me see a show of hands. Huh, okay. I see a few. Well, for those who didn't catch it, here's some more. There we go. I see many more hands. Yes, it's Louie Louie by the Kingsman. David Weinberg recently produced a half-hour documentary about this song. It was for a podcast from KCRW called Lost Notes. Now, it's quite possible David overwrote the opening to the doc. He sells the story of that song so hard. But I don't care. It's delicious. His writing is delectable. I'm serious. David's top to the piece completely hooked me. I had to listen. And even if it is overwritten, and look, I'm not saying that it is, there were moments when I thought, wow, dude, you are out on a limb. Like, how how far are you going to take this? Um, But eventually, I became a convert. It's like his overwriting, if you want to call it that, becomes a kind of style. It's a color that he paints with. And I found myself cheering him on. Oh, just keep painting, man. Keep painting. It's this tiny thing that explodes into something much bigger. That's David referring to the backstory of Louie Louie. It's literally a scrap of paper story. Like it's this guy writing down two words on a scrap of paper, really one word that he writes down twice. And it becomes... I mean, it just becomes huge. What David says he wanted to do at the start of the documentary was shine a light on both of those aspects of the story right out of the gate. The small part, the writing on the tiny scrap of paper, then... I want the listener to understand like how monumental this moment is. Here are some excerpts to show how David tackles the small part. He starts the story backstage. It's a warm April night in Anaheim, California, 1955. Richard Berry is sitting in his dressing room at the Harmony Park Ballroom. He's about to go on stage. Through the wall, Richard hears the opening band, a distorted rhythm. It's that beat that changes Richard Berry's life forever. Richard is inspired, so he grabs a scrap of paper and writes down a name, twice. From that scrap of paper, a song emerges. One that becomes a powerful force in America. David says he always likes to start with a scene or an image. And the one he chose here is a good one. A seemingly insignificant moment for Richard Berry backstage with a pen and a piece of paper. And then boom, David gets all monumental on us. The act of writing a name twice on a piece of paper and then using it in a song that eventually becomes a powerful force in America. But David doesn't stop there with a powerful force in America. No, he keeps going. He keeps painting. Here are some more excerpts. But all of that happened by chance. It all happened by chance. And against all odds, against all logic. The song becomes an anthem when the Kingsmen record a version, a terribly recorded version. The idea that the Kingsmen's version, this disastrous amateur recording, would become the definitive recording, it's totally bonkers. But as David puts it, this is no mortal song. A rock and roll miracle that throughout its strange life defied all logic. It's Louie Louie, for God's sake. It's a disaster of a recording, sure, but it's a magnificent disaster. Ugh, I love that line. It's a disaster of a recording, but a magnificent disaster. So satisfying. 
Anyway, I'll play the opening in its entirety shortly, but for now, I just wanted you to get a sense of what I mean by how David hard sells the story at the top. I mean, I believe it. I mean, I feel like it's easy to sell things that you believe in. I just felt like I just wrote it how I felt about it, you know? It's like, I just felt like this is a great story. You should know why it's great, and now I'm going to tell you. How many drafts did it take to make this, to write this? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, there were well over a dozen drafts, at least, of just the script. And then there were, I don't know how many audio drafts we made. A lot. I don't know. I'm just going to say a lot. <laughs> Where do you write? Um, at home. I work from home. This story spanned a move, so I had an office in a garage in my old house, and now I have a, a office in my attic. An attic? Is that really comfortable? Uh, it is. It is when it's not too hot. So there's no insulation on the ceiling. It's just like um, uninsulated. There's no AC up there. I have a little window unit, and so it's generally like 20 degrees hotter in the attic than it is outside. So when it gets, you know, there were some days when it was getting up into the low 80s and it would be over 100 degrees in the attic. So as long as it was standing in what I call the cone of comfort, which is like where the window unit blows cold air on you, it's totally fine. And I usually work with my shirt off and I work at a standing desk. So I'm just like standing up in the cone of comfort with headphones on listening to music. I made a playlist. Well, a lot of times when I run, I write, almost always when I'm writing a story, I create a playlist for that story. And it's songs that I either I'm going to hopefully use for scoring or that I associate or that like generate some mood that I want to write about. And so I had like a Louie Louie playlist that I was listening to when I was writing this. When can't you write? Half the time. <laughs> you know, some days it's hell and you don't get any work done and you just like pull your hair out and you try to write all day and you don't. And other days it's just like it just flows out and all of that happened in the attic in the garage David says he doesn't have any special tricks for getting through the dry spells when he's stuck walk away for a while talk to a friend in the end writing is work you just got to do it one thing that does help is not starting with a blank page David hates a blank page yeah it's like that's sheer terror because then there's that feeling of like where where does this thing begin you know so what will often happen is when I'm logging my tape moments will appear and I'll just think like, oh, this is my ending. This is totally going to be my ending. So then I'll just like cut a little piece of the transcript that I know I want to end on and I'll paste it into the Google Doc that will become my script. So that when I go to write the script, the ending is there and it's just like, I've already begun. I don't have to start from scratch. But like for me, the most important thing is to just to get that draft first draft down. Because I feel like I'm at the point now where I realize that the first draft is not going to be good and it's not going to be the way the story is. So it's like any way I can convince myself that there's no pressure. And that's one of the ways that it's like it gets easier. It's like there's no pressure. Like this isn't the – I don't have to make the story now. I just have to get something on paper. And sometimes I don't even think about my script as a script. Oftentimes the first draft of my script starts out as like a an outline. And then each part of that outline sort of expands a little bit and a little bit until you have sort of a script. Of course, what a producer wants is for the listener to not hear any of the writing struggle. That's why it takes dozens of drafts sometimes. In David's case, with Louie Louie, what he wants the listener to hear is amazement. 
the tiny moment at the start that leads to bonkers. And later, as the story progresses and blows up even bigger, when David brings in issues of racism and censorship, what you hear in David's writing is his fascination. In fact, back in 2012, David wrote the following in an article for Transom. Quote, I feel like at the heart of everything I produce, I'm basically saying, hey, look at this thing I found. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. I still feel that way. I mean, that's that instinct is like at the heart of, you know, who I am as a person. It's like I just want to show people stuff that I like and I'm excited to show them that thing. And I want them to be as excited about it as I am. And so, like, that's why I want to write well, you know, so that I can get someone to be as excited about something as I am. With that in mind, here's the full opening of Louie Louie, The Strange Journey of the Dirtiest Song Never Written by David Weinberg. It's a warm April night in Anaheim, California, 1955. Richard Berry is sitting in his dressing room at the Harmony Park Ballroom. He's about to go on stage. So you got a black guy in Orange County singing R&B to white kids in the most segregated part of Southern California. Suddenly, his ears perk up. The opening band is a Latin trio, and through the wall, Barry can hear them playing. All he's really hearing is the beat. That was part of what was important about it. It's that beat that changes Richard Berry's life forever. When he hears it, he reaches for the nearest scrap of paper. He scrawls out a name, and actually, he writes it twice. From that scrap of paper, a song emerges, one that becomes a powerful force in America. That name that Richard Berry wrote down on a scrap of paper was Louie, which became the title of the song, Louie Louie, a song that years later became an anthem and one of the most recorded songs in history. But all of that happened by chance. Berry's version, the original recording of Louie Louie, wasn't the one that became a huge hit. The one that rose to the top of the charts was recorded by a band of white kids, the Kingsmen from the Pacific Northwest, who were still in high school when they recorded it in 1963. And against all odds, against all logic, it was their version that became the most famous. Because if you listen close, the recording is kind of terrible. The singer's problem is that there's a boom mic over his head, and he thinks he has to stretch his neck up to be heard while he's singing. <laughs> Dave Marsh is a music writer and author of the book Louie Louie, the history of the world's most famous rock and roll song. Unfortunately, these guys were in high school and had no goddamn idea what they were doing, I none whatsoever. The singer Jack Eli, who's wearing braces, sang into the wrong part of the microphone. Which is why, on the band's first take of Louie Louie, the lyrics are nearly impossible to understand. And Eli screws up and comes in too early on a verse. And then there is the moment when the drummer, Lynn Easton, drops his drumsticks mid-song and yells out the word, fuck. So after that first disastrous take, the band naturally expected to do another one. After all, you can't yell fuck in the middle of a song and expect it to become a huge radio hit, right? 
But because studio time was expensive and the producer was a cheapskate, they called it a wrap. And the Kingsman's fate was sealed forever. The idea that the Kingsman's version, this disastrous amateur recording, would become the definitive recording, it's totally bonkers. But it also makes total sense. This is no mortal song we're talking about. This is Louie Louie, a rock and roll miracle that throughout its strange life defied all logic. Louie Louie gets its power from its simplicity, from its primitive howl in the face of all that is proper and refined. It's the essence of rock and roll distilled into three chords and a haphazard pile of indecipherable words. It's a disaster of a recording, sure, but it's a magnificent disaster. Radio producer David Weinberg from Louie Louie, The Strange Journey of the Dirtiest Song Never Written. And now that you've heard the open, go listen to the whole documentary on the Lost Notes podcast. David made a song playlist, tunes he listened to while writing and that he used in his doc. It includes this song, the original Louie Louie, from Richard Berry. I've put a link to the list at the post for this house sound at transom.org. As I mentioned, the Louie Louie doc was part of a podcast series from KCRW called Lost Notes. It was produced by Nick White and Mike Dodge Weisskopf. It's a lot of fun. There's a story about this weird band of non-musician musicians from New Hampshire, the Shags, a piece about WBAD, a pirate hip-hop radio station in New York City, plus unheard conversations with Captain Beefheart, and a whole lot more. It's all on Lost Notes. It's a good listen. As for David, it's possible this very moment... He's opening the attic door in his kitchen ceiling and climbing the drop-down ladder to the zone of comfort to write another episode of his KCRW podcast, Welcome to L.A., stories about life beyond the L.A. dream. Welcome to L.A., fetch it from wherever you fetch your podcasts. This is How Sound, the backstory to great radio storytelling from PRX and Transom. John Barth, sir. Bom, bom, bom. Bom, bom. And thanks to WCAI in Woods Hole, the radio center of the universe. I'm Rob Rosenthal. Thanks for listening. From PRX and Transom.org.